Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. Um, we've got Na our good friend Nathan on the pod here today. It's me, Ryan, and Alex with Nathan. And we're going to talk college football. How about that one? Uh, the Oklahoma Sooners um, are doing practices because it's summer. But, you know, it's we passed media days. You know, I don't think we never actually recorded after the spring game, right? I don't think so. No. Okay. So we'll have, no, we, we can, I, I mean, we can start wherever, but like, let's talk about, let's talk about, um, let's talk about Brent Venables and his, and his fellows. Uh, how are they doing? So I, you know, the thing with Brent is it's been kind of interesting the past week or so because of media days, people are like finally starting to kind of hear him talk. Right. And outside of just Oklahoma people, you know, and the dude, you know, yeah, he had like the most hilarious quote at, at Big 12 Media Days where something was inserted in his mouth. Because I, I was looking at this, right? And it's the fire hose is fully yeah. inserted into my mouth. We've been blowing and going. <laughs> yeah. I believe is essentially the quote. The best part is he probably had no idea, and it still probably hasn't dawned on him that it sounds right. any other way than how he intended it to sound. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that's been kind of entertaining, and um, but you know the thing with with Brent that's been surprising just this whole you know this whole period of time since we hired him is that you know I th there were some concerns going in about you know what's the recruiting going to look like. He had the idea of. You know, I guess largely he's he's kind of old school in his his ideologies and you know he came from Clemson where Dabo is I mean I do not like Dabo I don't think anybody on this podcast likes Dabo but Brent loves him some Dabo and so I was a little I don't know if worried is the right word but I was paying attention to how um, Brent might be taking the things that were ha happening at Clemson and how he would apply those to Oklahoma and there's been a lot of overlap I feel like um, but overall so far I think that the the practice of those those transferring over has been pretty I've been pretty happy with it like I think things have gone really well and we have to see it on the field but I'm I'm pretty excited about pretty much every aspect of what I've seen from Brett Venables so far yeah his recruiting's been on a tear the last month or so um, and that was something that people, there's some concern, especially people that don't follow it closely because they just saw the commit list. They didn't know that what was coming. You couldn't see the buildup. Um, but we're starting to see, you know, um, payoff of his visit strategy of we're not going to um, take a commit if you're still going to keep visiting other places. So it's going to take a little bit longer than a lot of the schools that load up in April and May on those initial visit weekends. Now we're kids are starting to having taken all their visits or they're getting ready for their senior seasons and they're starting to make those calls so they don't have to bother themselves in the fall with that stuff so they're starting to commit and know you've gotten i don't know like a dozen commits i don't it seems like it the last month or so and they have a few more lined up so it's and they've been really high quality uh, uh star rankings and everything so it's exciting and then you know as far as like brent as a coach it is interesting. I think something that a lot of fans are really have been really excited about is just what seems to be a very clear um, plan of what he wants instituted. 
and how organized everything seems and feels. And I think maybe compared to the previous regime, that's been a somewhat stark contrast in some areas. So that's been good to see because I think the best coaches often are the best organizers. It's kind of like field generals. I think one of the big things that's that stood out to me with Brent is that he just, he, to me, he acts like a really good football coach. And what I mean by that is that he's kind of crazy and kind of psychotic. And you can tell that like, (laughs) he is at all times focused on how he can make the OU football program as good as not wired like a normal person. Right. It's, this is not, this is not normal human behavior. This is not how you're supposed to be as a human but this is what great college football coaches do yeah frankly it's a little off-putting like if you just want to like hang out with them i think right (laughs) but for like your football coach it's pretty good and that that's been part of the media days thing is everybody like fully recognizing and remembering like oh yeah that guy who needed a dedicated get back coach on the staff of clemson (laughs) just to keep him on the sideline he's crazy yeah um and he's and so like a guy who hears about who like here's the metaphor you know we're drinking from the fire hose and it's like yeah give me that fire hose <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's pretty crazy and then contrasting that with with Lincoln and you know I'm just going to go in a little bit about what I've kind of come to just my opinion ha- has evolved with Lincoln and as and that Lincoln doesn't act like that at all you know what I mean? Like Lincoln to me doesn't act like an elite football coach does. You know what I mean? Like I think that there's a lot of um, so. For example, one of the things that I that I've noticed with Lincoln Lincoln since moving to USC is he's talked a lot about roster building. You know, and he's talked a lot. Like one of the first things I remember him saying when he was maybe even in his opening press conference at USC, he talked about we have the potential to build the best roster in the country um, here at USC. And then there was the, you know, article that came out a month or two ago, maybe about how, you know, he went into the playoff and he never had anything better than maybe the third best roster, but it was never, most of the time he had the fourth best roster as he went into the, to the playoff. And to me, that is a really, really NFL way to look at things like I think of it as a like that's what an NFL coach would say you know if they're going into the playoffs they wouldn't you know like I I could never imagine Nick Saban going into a playoff and being like yeah just my roster is just maybe not there you know what I mean not that Nick Saban's roster ever wouldn't be there but you know what like if if for some reason there were other teams that were just more talented than Nick Saban you're never going to hear him talk about it you know what I mean? You would yeah. never hear Bob Stoops talk about it. Like that's one of the guys that really stands out. And I remember in 2016 when we played Ohio State at home and they they whipped our ass. Like in the post game press conference, I remember there were some journalists that were kind of trying to lead him to saying that Ohio State was just a more talented roster. Like there were multiple questions that were trying to get him to admit that. Ohio State just had more talent. And he was like, look, I'm never going to sit here and tell you that I don't have good enough players. I'm going to sit here and tell you about all the things that 
we as coaches should have done to have them better prepared and all the things that we could have executed better to yeah. make up for whatever there might be from a roster standpoint, you know? And so that to me is, that's college football to me. That's what a college football coach, that's how one acts. That's how Brent Venables has acted. He hasn't mentioned talent on the roster since he's gotten here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's all about, I'm building the program. You know, the roster is a result of what I build with the program, and the culture yeah. that I build. And to me, Lincoln, it's all about like, oh, I've got to have the talent. I've got to have the roster. And I think that largely that's why he went out there is because he looked at a situation where he could build a more talented roster than the teams that he was going to be playing consistently. And I just, I can't, you know, honestly, I'm just like upset at myself that I was a Lincoln Riley fan for as long as I was just (laughs) because that kind of mentality, you're just not, you're not winning anything like that, you know, with that kind of idea Um, kind of as you're, to me, that is like the guiding light for Lincoln Riley. Yeah. And that's just not what great college football coaches do. But I think uh, college is, yeah, roster is extremely important. I'm not going to ever say that it's not. But there's so many other things in college because you're dealing with 18-year-olds that culture is just as much of a of a factor. If roster talent was all that mattered, Texas would be a lot better every year. Right. So, um, you know, having that coach or that infrastructure that emphasizes you know those positive cultural aspects and some things that Venables and Stoops and Saban and you know for you know other people that have had a lot of success um, that that those guys believe in especially in schools that can't have the number one and two recruiting class every year that's vital Um, and so maybe Lincoln can do that but I have my own uh, suspicions on what he's able to get out of guys and him carrying certain staff members to USC tells me that I'm not exactly convinced that (laughs) he recognizes his own problems. So, or is willing to fix them. So, well, and to just like be a complainer about, is it possible to assist? I mean, it's possible, but like how likely is it that he is ever going to have an offense as talented as the one he had in 2017, right? Which was, Ten, which was 11 NFL players and the future attorney general of the state of Oklahoma, Dimitri Flowers. Because <laughs> the difference is I don't think he's ever going to have an offensive line like that. Right. He might have a wide receiver core that could get there, but <laughs> he, I don't think he's going to be that good up front. Yeah, and I, I don't mean for this, you know, this doesn't have to be a, you know, we talk about you, what's going to happen at USC, but I just, the more this goes, and we have no idea how it's going to work with Brent Venables. You know, like I'm not, yeah, he could suck. <laughs> I'm not going to sit here and predict that, oh, he's going to be fantastic or whatever. I think he'll be good. But, I don't know if he'll be a title winner or anything. But. Yeah. But what I will say is that just the way that he operates and the, his thought process and the way he approaches college football to me is more as a great college football coach would than what Lincoln Riley did. You know, Lincoln really Riley, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to say at least a great college football coach for Oklahoma. Um, right. Sure. Lincoln's more of like the Pete Carroll mindset, maybe a little bit, but Pete Carroll is also a badass like recruiter. So I don't know, maybe that's a bad comparison, but yeah, Pete Carroll also has some suspicions about the September 11 attacks. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. So you learned something today. <laughs> Which again, just goes to show if you want success, you gotta be crazy. I don't know if Lincoln's <laughs> got me, that, you know, 
Yeah. But I mean, even, even Pete Carroll, like there was a very well-defined culture. Yeah. That USC maybe wasn't the Pete best Carroll. comparison. I was just thinking pro you know? coach at USC and that was the right. first one I latched onto. So like USC, there was a lot of, I mean, they had insane talent, but that was, it was a different culture than what you would see at like an Alabama or what probably what Brent Venable was going to do at OU, but yeah. it was like really well-defined and established the one place that I can think of that like probably won without culture is LSU in 2019. Oh, that's yeah. That's just yeah. talent on talent. So that's, that how, was, I mean, that's how you Lincoln can win is if he just has the most talent. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. You know, that's I what I think you can do that. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, Lincoln, I think got a lot of credit from all of us for a lot of the time he was here by being like a normal, reasonable, intelligent guy. Which, for the most part, he is, right? Yeah. He was, like, generally correct. I have my grievances, but, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, just, like, generally correct on the, on the social issues of the day. Didn't overreact. Didn't, um, didn't throw tantrums. Didn't make outrageous statements to the media. Rarely talked to the media, frankly. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, we all had respect for him as a human being. Yeah. In a way that... Um, many other coaches or well i i just i don't know maybe the head coach at oklahoma can't be that kind of person i mean i'm not sure that the head coach at a great college football program really can't be that person well because the thing you are doing as a college football coach is unreasonable it's ridiculous it's dangerous it's stupid it's probably not morally justifiable no it's an insane thing to do you know, and it's an insane thing to go through. And so I, I, I think you need a psycho to, to be that kind of successful football coach. And that to me is what I see with Brent Venables. I here's see, a, here's a question. Ahead. Who's the, of the active coaches, who's the best parallel to Brent? Who, who's the best current psycho out there? I mean, I don't want to, I don't know. Like this has nothing to do with the success of anything. Yeah. I look at Saban. Saban, you think Saban's that? Well, the thing to remember about Saban is that he is now very old. But that is a dude who can get <laughs> mad true. about things. He's gonna die on the field. He's like Bill Snyder. Yeah. He like that is a dude. <laughs> like and like Bill Snyder is another example of a guy who is like you have to be kind of out there to succeed. Snyder's um, actually a really good comparison now that I think about it. Like he's a different kind of psycho, also, but he's still yeah, a psycho. Also makes so. sense, you know. Yeah. Um, right. Since he coached Brent. But it really is like a really good, like if they could do like the the fusion dance for like three ways, he's like a perfect three-way fusion of Snyder, Dabo, and Bob. Like it is, it is pretty you can see because you can see elements of all three of them in them. Because Absolutely. I didn't remember him being as like much of a talker whenever he was the DC, but He's a hell of a talker now. <laughs> yeah. Dude will riff for 25 minutes on one question. Well, you know, I think that, you know, there's the the one thing you look at that got me excited initially whenever we hired him was the fact that all of his former players just loved him. You True. know, like all the former players at OU were just like, this is the guy. This is the guy we need. All of his players at Clemson were like, God, this sucks that he's the guy leaving, you need. but I'm yeah. happy for him. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the entire, you know, Clemson's whole fan base, it was like, God, yeah. now this, this sucks. Yeah. You know, and that they all hate Lincoln Riley now too, because they 
<laughs> thinking Riley took Brent away from him. So right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, um, but to me, that is, you know, there's a lot of Bob Stoops in that. You know, there's a lot of Dabo in that. Like, and I'm sure you know Snyder is the same way. But yeah, I think that is correct. That he is like a pretty perfect three. You know, a fusion of all three elements of those of guys. Of them, so, yeah. yeah, and we'll see what that looks like on the football field. You know, like. I feel pretty good about it. Honestly, like I feel like I, probably, I think we're probably going to have a pretty good season this year. You know, I don't know what that, you know, 10 and 2, 11 and 1, 9 and 3, I don't know. Yeah. One thing I'm confident in is I'm not going to hate this football team like I did last year's team. Um, and, you know, I went back and so much of the, the talk with, with Lincoln, you know, it's, it's his, his winning percentage is always cited. Yeah, And I just kind of wonder if that should be as highly thought of as it is. You know what I mean? Because how many of those wins did we look like shit in a lot of that game, you know? And like how many games we went into games with fucking Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and we're consistently eking out wins against inferior teams. Yeah. There were still wins, a wins, a win. Sure. But is it that impressive to beat Kansas State by seven points when you have Baker Mayfield and that ridiculous yeah. offense that had 11 NFL players on it? I don't think so. Well, to go back to what you were saying earlier, we were out talenting people, but we weren't out coaching people. And that's why he wants to out talent people. Right. right. And it's just those teams should have been beating the shit out of the yeah. Big 12. Like yeah. that, that was that's the thing is it's just like eking out can't... wins against bad Baylor teams. Yeah. I just can't get past getting worse every year. That's my thing. Like, yeah, we weren't trending up. <laughs> so, um, and I think it would have been even worse next year. So, I well, mean, we would have had Caleb in second year, but, you know, other important guys were leaving. So, yeah, what does this roster even look like if Lincoln's still here? Well, we know Mims and Weiss would have been gone. Hazelwood was gone. Else. Stogner yeah. was gone. Like, right. I mean, yeah, we would have brought in dudes in the transfer portal. There's no doubt, but we're not bringing in Jordan Addison. You know, like he went out to USC. He's not bringing in Jordan Addison and Travis Dye to come to Oklahoma to replace the guys we lost. Like, yeah, it's I I don't, and that to me speaks to there was a lot of issues inside the program that we just didn't know about. You yep. know, which was by design. We weren't supposed to because everything was Never. locked down to the yeah. max. You know what I mean? So. I don't know. I think, I think we're lucky to have, have come out of the situation the way we have, um, you know, what do you guys think he's, what do you, what would you predict his first record being just ballpark? How about Brent? No, I'm, well, Brent, we can get, get into that as well, but I'm talking about Lincoln. How do you think he's going to do initially first year at USC? I, I haven't looked at their schedule. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's do this real quick to see, okay. see what they got. All right. I've got their I've got their schedule pulled up. Okay. okay. So they, they open at home against Rice. That's a win. And yeah. Second game of the year on the road at Stanford. I think that's probably a probably win. a win. Probably a win, but you I, could definitely see them losing. That's that, that is a game that is a losable game. Yeah, yeah. Stanford and Stanford's been getting worse too. So that's that's a toss up though. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll give it I'll give it to USC, but it's close. Right. Fresno State, who's been solid, but they'll probably I could, beat Fresno State. They could lose State. that. They could Fresno lose State it. won yeah. like 10 double digits last year, didn't they? 
and they got their quarterback. Did, did Hayner go back? I can't remember. I think they did, but their coach went to Washington. So it oh, that's right. Coach. Yeah, well, I feel like they, that's yeah, they're also win. losable, but maybe we'll see. Yeah, at Oregon State, that's a W. They're Probably. getting better though. <laughs> Oregon State's getting better, and it is in Corvallis. That's a losable game. Still there? Hmm, I'm curious. I think he is. I think he is. I think he's like a 60 or senior. Anyway, yeah. COVID year. Um, Arizona State at home, probably because Arizona State sucks. <laughs> they have no players left. So, yeah. Yeah. Just Herm out there now. <laughs> right. Washington State at home, they're probably winning that. So, God, what a pathetic schedule this is. Okay. Real, real possible that they start six and oh, like super yeah, possible. possible. It could also and be like four and two, but yeah. If, let me tell you that, like, if USC starts six and zero, they're yeah. going to be like fucking number three in the country. They will yeah. be. Sure. Um, it's going to be hilarious <laughs> with a point differential of like plus five. Yeah, Stuart Mandel may fly like with the amount of like <laughs> exuberance mm-hmm. that he will have about this. Now, nobody so. mentioned that it's impossible to be six and zero with a point differential of plus five. But <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, but game seven of the year at Utah. That's an L. You're going to get destroyed. I'm You're so confident that. in that. <laughs> yeah. At Arizona, they'll win. I don't know. They'll probably win. Arizona's done like really well in the transfer portal and even in recruiting. Like, no, they're, <laughs> they'll probably beat them, but I'm just saying. Um, Cal at home, probably a win. They're not going to lose to Jet Fish. So. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Cal at home, probably a win. Colorado at home. Probably a win. God, what a shitty conference this is. Okay. This, yeah. Right. This is this is this is be, fast become an exercise. And holy shit, that was bad. <laughs> yeah. And then last two games of the year at UCLA. I think it's they should win that. They well, should. It, they should win, but they might not. Yeah. Yeah. And then Notre and Dame. I think I think they lose to Notre Dame last. Oh, they'll get year. yeah, they'll get killed by. So I mean, it's possible they could be like ten and two, but I bet yeah. they'll they'll lose a couple of those. So let's say eight and four. I was going to say nine and three, but okay, yeah, split the difference. Nine and three. I think eight and four is like a pretty good floor for them. Yeah. You know? God, what a um, shitty conference. If if they go worse than eight and four, then Lincoln Riley did a horrendous job. Yeah, is what I'll say. I would agree. Yeah, I like mean their talent. They bad can, job. If you have Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, that should get you like six right yeah. there, and then just add the rest yeah. of them. So. Well, we're gonna get to the Arizona game, and Jordan Addison's will have like I'll have like seven targets on the season. So <laughs> that's, that's true. completely true. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's pretty crazy, but like so, yeah, and it's entirely possible that um, you know Lincoln could have a better record than Brent this year. That's entirely possible. Uh, be, yeah, it's like, yeah, sure, it's possible. Unless he goes out there, and if they go ten and two, but they like kick the shit out of the teams that they're supposed to, yeah, like it's just gonna, it's more of the same. Yeah, you know, if it's like, oh well, it's it's hard to beat Oregon State on the road. It's well, hard to win football games and caught. You know, there's only you know two teams on that schedule that can match them in the trenches, and they're gonna get killed by both of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's a pretty interesting interesting thing to look at their schedule, but you know I think eight and four to like eleven and one is what they're like eleven and one. I think is like their max ceiling. I, you know? I can't see them being that good, but you know I've been wrong. Before. Well, but they they could be eleven and one, just squeaking out luck, and then just get like handled and dismantled by 
Utah yeah, the, or something. Kind of kind of like yeah. uh, OU last year. We were nine and zero and barely yeah. alive. So mm-hmm. right. right. Relying um, on plays of dubious legality to <laughs> right convert a fourth and two against Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it goes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about we, we mentioned recruiting earlier um, and about how it's going really well at this point. And it was it was a lot slower than what it ever was under Lincoln. Lincoln likes to get guys in the bag early spring um, game. Yeah. Spring game was like the the day. And um, what I thought was really interesting about Brent with, you know, obviously the big thing with Brent is like you said, he doesn't want guys committing that are, if they're still going to take visits elsewhere, like he's, he doesn't view that as a commitment, which I think is, you know, it's, that's I his prerogative, but you know, that's, yeah, his thing, so. that's his thing. Yeah. So far it's working. Um, yeah. And I mean, but, like you can, I, you could argue about like the tactic of it, I guess. Right. But like, you know, he did it at Clemson. So, and at the end of the day, like, you know, if we, we got a lot of early commits in the Lincoln Riley area and then guys decommitted and our signing days were disappointing. Well, Lincoln was like the, the, uh, the polar opposite. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, you know, I think one of the things with, with Lincoln that he always, it was always about the momentum. It was always about the image of what, what was going on. Did we make OU look? Yeah. Yeah. It was like, okay, guys, don't commit right now because we're going to have you all commit at the spring game. Yeah. It's going to get everybody really excited. And, you know, we had RJ Henderson, you're going to commit at the spring game. Right. (laughs) We had that one class that we got like eight commitments spring game weekend. We wound up signing like three of them. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was that many, but yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was like a, like, okay, that, that wound up, that wound up sucking, you know? And Brent, I don't, I don't think he gives a shit about, he didn't give a shit about image. He didn't give a shit about momentum. He's like, I want you guys to know that that you're coming here. And the reason why I think the, the strategy that he's doing works is because he's not, he's not like getting guys to commit and then telling them, okay, you can't visit anymore. Like he is telling them, go take all of your visits. We want you to be as informed as you possibly can be. And we feel confident that at the end of that, the relationships that you have with us and how you feel about the school and the experience you're going to have here, we feel like that's going to be better than anywhere else you're going to visit, you know? And so it's not hypocritical for him to tell a kid that because he's giving them every opportunity to go take those visits before they commit, you know, and that was never the case before. And like you said, Lincoln took a lot of decommitments, especially late in the process, you know, shouts to Alabama, obviously, you know, pretty consistently. And I wonder, you know, we'll have to see how it goes, but I don't think that's going to be as big of a thing with Brent because I think the, it's so much, it's so much less, it's, it's less about getting a kid, a kid excited about the program. Lincoln wanted the kids to just be super excited and get swept up and then commit. Brent, it's like, I want to get you excited, but I want you to leave our visit with that excitement and then go take other visits and compare. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's just less about emotions and it's more about making a, an objective decision, I think. Yeah. Well, if you yeah. look at like Clemson's history, I don't remember the exact numbers, but they've only had like a handful of guys decommit in over like years. So 
Um, I mean, Corey Foreman was one, but it's like maybe one every other class. It's pretty rare. So, I mean, there's some validity to it. And Brent's had one decommit this class, but it was a really early one. So maybe that the policy hadn't quite sunk in yet. So, yeah. uh, Well, and that was a kid that was going to commit to the last staff too. Right. You know, yeah. Like, so, and he looked a lot like Trajan Bridges. So you have to question it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, I, I'm really interested in how it's going. Um, and it, it seems like right now we can do no wrong in the recruiting trail. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the defensive doors that have been opened by having a real defensive staff. I mean, not, Ted Roof's on the staff. I mean, I mean Ted Roof. If you got a chance to play for Ted Roof, I don't know how you yeah. turn him down. Come stay at the you know? Ted Roof Inn. Right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and and like I just I'm really excited about the direction. Like, what is it? You know, I know Nathan, you follow you and I both follow recruiting really closely, a lot more closely than Ryan. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what is it about the philosophy and from a like a player standpoint? What do what do you feel like we're looking at in players now? that differs from what we've, we've experienced in previous years under Stoops and Riley. Like, well, so how do you mean like specifically defense type of, yeah, types of players. Body types yeah. and stuff? Well, compared to the last Grinch staff, I mean, we're a lot bigger on the defensive line for one. Not uh, hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're not rolling out 290 pound nose tackles. Um, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing, honestly, uh, I mean, we're going to a four, three, well, kind of, um, linebackers are really, really versatile. Uh, like Lewis Carter, he could be a will, he could be a nickel, he could be a Sam, he could be a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. that's probably, but honestly, the defensive line is probably the biggest difference that I see. Yeah. I think that there's a little, I think they're a little less, um, specific with, like weight stuff, secondary body type stuff, especially. Yeah, you're more like because if you think about what Will or what Brent did at Clemson, he took uh Makuba and yeah. Makuba whenever Grinch wouldn't, um, because he valued ability over height, right. kind of like the Jalen Catalan thing, also. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. quite tall enough, but you know, right, he's ball player kind of guy. So. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more of that. Like, I'm not saying we're going to go take a bunch of bookies. Um, but I think that there's a little might have been good under Brent, man. You don't know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But I, I think there's a little more wiggle room of saying like, oh, this dude's not six foot. This guy's not six one, but he's really good at football. You know, I think of a guy like Eric McCarty at safety that there's no way in hell the last staff is offering that guy. No, it just wasn't happening. I mean, McCarty is like a Brent Venables, like special oh, kind of guy. Yeah. <laughs> He no, it, all the stereotype boxes. So yeah. Now we already we already have a, a white middle linebacker and a white safety committed. And it's <laughs> it's year one for Brent. Like that's that's gonna be a thing. You just look at those Clemson teams. Um yeah. And the Ben Bull wears and the Tanner right. uses and the uh can't think of the mm-hmm. safety's name that caught the interception, but there are a lot of them. So they just had like three white safeties. Yeah. Jack asses. But yeah. Yeah. Frat guys <laughs> will love them. So mm-hmm. many insurance salesmen. Yeah. So yeah. But they're gonna be they're gonna be so assignment sound. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, so assignment sound. Just imagine the quantity of lunch pails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I was watching a uh, a Clemson defensive kind of like it was like a cut up game where it just had all their defensive snaps. And mm-hmm. uh, this past season with James Skalski at the at linebacker, yeah, yeah, that dude was just flying around everywhere. Like that, he's like six feet tall, yeah, not very athletic. Yeah, yeah like. <laughs> undersized, not overly athletic, but that dude just like, he knew where the ball was going on like every play. Like it was yeah. pretty insane. And well, Brent definitely is like a, he values um, instincts more than just raw speed kind of guy. So yeah. Well, and I, even Boulware wasn't drafted on no. anything. Skalski's, you know, maybe a special teams player in the league. Right. But, you know. And it's going to be really interesting to have a defensive staff who whose answer to everything isn't to just play harder. Like that's kind of, that's going to be kind of wild, you know, or play faster. You know, it's it's crazy that that's going to be interesting to see um, like a real defensive scheme that's not stupid. Um, I'll just say that. But um, what about offensively? How do, how do we feel? Because you know, I think most people still view Lincoln Riley as a an elite offensive mind. Mm-hmm. So, just objectively speaking, you could you could view what we have now as a downgrade in offensive sure. coaching ability. But what are what are the differences you've seen on the recruiting trail offensively? Uh, as they're going to after before? bigger receivers, yeah, um, that's immediately evident. I mean, it, there's more carryover on that side, so it's not as mm-hmm. dark, maybe. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely something Kale is offering guys that are like six four, <laughs> which Lincoln. I mean, we weren't tiny, but we certainly weren't. You know, it was. It doesn't seem as obvious as it does now, though. You know, I mean, if we were to get someone like Anthony Evans, he's not a giant, but he's fast as hell. So, that um, way too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, to me, it's. I feel like we're going for faster guys at, at receiver. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe we so, have like, some. We have some big speed. guys on the roster. Yeah, I think we speed. want some guys that are just purely speed guys that we kind of got away from that for some reason, you know, I like I think what I was trying to say is deep threats guys that are yeah, like, deep threats. Mm-hmm. I think the last staff got kind of star obsessed on at receiver, especially because we could get them like we could go get the five stars. I mean, yeah. we would lose them. I mean, we wouldn't actually sign them, but we could have them committed for a few months, That's which cool. was always, always really fun. Um, <laughs> no, but, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's a degree to which you look at just like the past three years of just like, let's get another guy like CD. And it's right. like, there aren't those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there aren't fun. those. Like, Yeah. Hazelwood. Not that guy. He was a he was number one receiver, five star. In his defense, he, he did screw up his knee, but he got hurt. He got hurt. I don't know how much to put on that. Like you know, ACLs. I feel like people come back from ACLs all the time. I don't know. Yeah, but he never looked like CD. It never. I didn't yeah. get the impression his freshman year he was going to be like this first yeah. round CD Lamb type. Theo um, is fine. Theo's fine. fine. Bridges. Bridges is. Yeah, he's you know. <laughs> That, that didn't work out. Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right, right? Like it, it seems like we were trying to find the next first rounder instead of like, dude, go get another DD Westbrook or Hollywood Brown. And Which those guys do find in the NFL anyways. For oh the yeah. Of course. Hollywood but, was a first round pick. Yeah. Yeah. Just um, like get a, a guy who can get over the top of the defense. It's like, 
functionally all you need. If you've got a quarterback who can get him the ball, you know, it's nice to have a guy who can do that, like, and run NFL level routes and make clutch possession catches. But Mm -hmm. there's like maybe one guy like that every year. Yeah. Yeah. They all play for Ohio state. Yeah. Or Alabama. (laughs) Yeah. Like, geez. Um, Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that there's, there's a clear, there's a clear shift in recruiting um, just the, the types of players that we're, we're recruiting. Um, I mean, I, there's a potential outcome for us on the defensive line that I will just lose my shit. If we pull it off, mm-hmm. like just stacked, like ridiculous <laughs> talent, like we've never seen on the defensive line. Um, and like I, edge guys, like imagine if you, if they get PJ and that kid from Utah, like, yeah, we had like I mean, when's the last time we had an, an edge like a pass rushing class that looked like that? I can, I don't even know if we ever have <laughs> in like the rivals era. So not multiple. I mean, last year we got Clayton Smith, but like yeah, was one guy. Yeah, it's one guy. Know, this would be like and PJ out of bar. He's he's better than Clayton Smith. Yeah, like, I am very interested to that. see if Clayton how Clayton looks in this defense just because he's a oh, little for sure. For sure. undersized for what they do. But I mean they. Brent has made that work in the past. Vic Beasley wasn't the prototypical de- defensive end size, and that worked out fine. So, yeah, curious to see how that looks. Yeah, and then yeah, you said like the the defensive tackles that we're pulling, like yeah, they're, they're over three hundred pounds now. It's nice. They're big dudes, big guys that are not like they're not tree stumps that can't move. You know, yeah. like Harvard's can... like three hundred thirty pounds. It's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. Um, so another aspect of this team that I'm that I'm really interested in um, is is Dylan Gabriel. Um, he was the guy I remember whenever we were going through the transfer portal whole thing. Whenever Caleb Williams was still on the roster, like yeah. Gabriel was not a guy that I was particularly high on. Um, how do we feel about Dylan Gabriel at this point? Oh, I think he will be fine. <laughs> yeah, I think he will be fine. And I think, uh, and what I what I'll say is like I think bringing him in means that I think that the uh, that the movement into this new offensive system will be smoother. Yeah, like it will like we he's not going to be functional spin. day one. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be fine. Yeah. What do you guys think about the kind of the intangible? like the leadership, what do, what do you guys think about that aspect that he's, that he's brought in? It's been, I just didn't know that about him whenever he, yeah, I think it's, um, initially came it's, it's cool. You got, I mean, I'm assuming you guys read about like him taking all the skill players out to a ranch and just yeah. bonding with them. Retreat. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, when, that's cool. When you like, got a chance to get out to Latin, you got to do it. You got to take folks. it. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do it. You know, you know, it's, <laughs> Was Altus booked or something? Why? Why do we go to this? <laughs> just, a, just a ranch in the 580. Oh man, you know. Well, when you're from Hawaii, it's very. Uh, you you don't get to go to beautiful places like Lawton very often. Yeah, can you imagine going from <laughs> the, the islands to Lawton? Oh god. Um, but yeah, so um, it's. I, I think he's like. This is going to be another thing where I'm not expecting Dylan Gabriel to blow people away. But he's going to be a very functional quarterback in this Levi. system. He's going to rack up an ass load of yards, and the offense is going to be fine. It might yeah, be yeah. better, and, and I think there's every possibility it's better than it was last year because it wasn't. I think statistically, it definitely will be better. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, 
which is to me like this is the thing about like levy versus lincoln riley um is that this this offensive system coming in i feel like it's gonna like it's not gonna be as brilliant right there you know there are very very few people who are like truly at lincoln's level in terms of designing an immaculate offensive scheme but i feel like we're going to be able to leverage its functional effectiveness better than we were basically since kyler was here well my biggest or not my biggest but a thing i had against lincoln was he he was always trying to be immaculate instead of just doing the thing that was working yeah like he was trying to he would outsmart himself um, and try to call the beautiful play instead of just the little like did he did he even know screens existed like uh, yeah there were I mean the thing that pissed me off about Lincoln and screens is that when we actually ran screens it was usually to fucking Charleston Rambo who <laughs> was the worst <laughs> short area quickness guy yeah yeah <laughs> like we ran screens to the dumbest people it was so stupid Charleston you know? had a great year at Miami though. He did not running screens, guarantee right, that. <laughs> Getting him going down the right. field, sure. But compared to what we thought he was last year, hey, good for him. Yeah. He us, proved well, us I'm wrong. sure there was, I'm sure, and I'm sure there's a degree about thinking in that, right? It's like, oh, we get we schedule for the guy who's, um, you know, who's going to draw the off coverage, and so he'll have, you know, or or whatever, or just because it's like, oh, well, maybe they won't be expecting the screen to Rambo or whatever. You know, it's like yeah. that's there's like an intentionality to that that speaks to overthinking it. Yeah. I mean, it's like last year, you know, where if you run a screen with Drake Stoops or like, I'm like, yo, Mario Williams is right there. Yeah. He's the guy who, who can actually make a play. Um, and and I think Stoops hate, but yeah, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that to me is I think I think Levy will there'll be more screens with Levy to be like. Having watched several games, you know, especially of, of Ole Miss last year, there's going to be a lot more like running back screen game than there ever was with Lincoln. There's going to be some some receiver screen game, and there's going to be more deep passing, I think. Sure. And, you know, and like watching Gabriel, especially Gabriel in 2019 when he was with Levy, like that dude, they threw the football down the field a ton. You know, yeah, I think and that's kind of have a huge year. Yeah. And that, that to me might be like a little bit of concern. Like, I'm not sure we have just a ton of dudes that are just like blow the top off the defense guys for the, in this receiver core. I think Mims has to have a huge year yeah. where we have problems. I um, think Farouk, Farouk will be a really big like swing component. Like if Farouk yeah. can take that step, it'll I look so. a lot prettier. So yeah. Agreed. Agreed. But I don't think Theo Weiss is that guy. No. Um, Reese will be the change guy. guy, I think. I, don't I think hope so. Better. Yeah. If he's anything, that's what he'll be, I guess is what I'm saying. Right. right. Um, Just so that, yeah, so. that'd be awesome. <laughs> that'd be great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in the, in the scheme. I think that one of the things that I noticed just pretty consistently in watching Ole Miss games last year is that the run game, as it progressed through the game, like very, very often – it started working really, really well in the second half, you know, like early in the game, that's what teams are going to want to stop. They're going to be geared up to stop the run game. And there'll probably be a lot of games where we're getting stuffed early, you know, and that it's like, shit, why are we, we're in third and seven, like every possession. And we've got to be good at converting those. Um, Think about it. Like 
receivers are way on the far side and they're yeah. running a lot, <laughs> running yeah. deep. Uh, so you're, the secondary is going to get tired and then mm -hmm. your box is less compact, less, less bodies in there because they're further away, just the mm -hmm. way it's, they line up. Yeah. So it makes, I mean, it makes sense. And then yeah. you're running really, you're, you're, the pace is so goddamn fast. Um, it is. It, it, those big defensive linemen get tired real fast. So, I mean, yeah, we're going, I mean, we haven't, we're not, we haven't played this fast since Hypel. you know, like Hypel really likes the tempo Lincoln by the, by last year, Lincoln was, we were running slow wow. as shit yeah. yeah, because Lincoln wanted to like manage every aspect. Oh, the defense is doing this. I better make this check. You know, like that was, that was what we got to. And we just completely went away from any kind of tempo. We had like, um, what was it? Like three possessions against Kansas state. The first. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah, absolutely. Like we, we were running so slow by last year. Yeah. Um, Between that and we couldn't get off the field. It was just painful. So. Right. But Levy, it's just, it's, there's going to be a lot more like we're going to run the same play two or three times in a row. Yeah. I mean, we're going to run more screens. We're going to do a lot, a lot of deep crossing routes or just flat out go routes it's it's going to be really interesting to it's, see how I think it could really really work in the Big Twelve. It's a more you high know? school offense, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think it's a great thing. Yeah, frankly, yeah. it's the Baylor offense, and there's a reason they had a ton of success with it. So, yeah, yeah. I was looking at stats like the one of those years Baylor they were averaging like 685 yards a game. Like, I mean, not that wasn't like the total the full season stats, but like. Midway through the year, it was okay. like 685 yards. I was like, holy shit, that's yeah. insane, you know. And it was also like the doldrums of Big 12 defensive play, but still, oh, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. I mean, we won't get up to those kind of kind of ridiculous numbers, but I don't really want to. I mean, you know, I am curious to see kind of the balance of they're playing at such an insane pace on offense, and how does that impact defense with minerals yeah. like? it's an interesting marriage of, yeah. I, I was a little surprised, not just, you know, because of everything else that goes with Jeff Levy, but um, that that was the style of offense that he, because defensive coordinators, you know, traditionally are like ultra conservative because they don't want their defense to be, to look bad. Right. Right. I do think, I do wonder with Brent, because one of the things about his defense is that he's an extremely aggressive defensive yeah, coordinator as hell. Yeah. and so i feel like there's a degree to which I, I wonder if that like he's like yeah good yeah <laughs> let's, do let's it. get lots of chances to get sacks like <laughs> yeah you know. that's true it's a good point <laughs> just, that to me is like i just don't think brent cares about that kind of like he yeah. wants to win the game you mm -hmm. know and he knows that the more points you score yeah. the better chance you have of winning the game i don't think you know? he's like a narduzzi in that no, in his mindset. No. I, yeah, I, he's he's not. I don't think he's going to be out there looking to like protect his side of the no. ball or anything. I think well, he's going to be fired up. If you yeah. think about and if, let's think about this, like if you think about the kind of defense Georgia runs, it's not the type of defense Clemson runs. And what I mean by that is they're actually pretty. They don't do a lot of blitzing. Right. They're just extremely sound, and they're the most talented guy eleven out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in a lot of ways, Georgia's defense is not that dissimilar to what Mike Stoops was wanting to do at OU. No, they're just way but more. They're talented. just so much better at it than <laughs> we ever were, you know. Um, but the like the philosophy isn't that different, 
Right. Yeah. Brent, it's like he he's forcing the issue. Yeah. You know, which I might love. get him burned, but he's going to force the issue and much. And I think Grinch, that was his thing as well. He's just um, worse at it. Yeah. yeah. He was worse at it. And his scheme was so simplistic. There's nothing simplistic about Brent Venable's yeah. scheme. It's going to change every week. It's going to change drive by drive. I mean, I remember the adjustments whenever he left, like, and Mike came back, they were talking about how, like, easy, how much easier the playbook was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that's, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I, th- I think my thing with Levy is like the offense, like, I think that you scheme your offense to win the Big 12. And if you want to do more, that's when it comes down to Bedenboe, Todd Bates, and Schmidt. Right. It's like those three guys will get you. That's, yeah. through the first round of the playoff. That's how you win a like, national title. That's so. like, that should be the plan is yeah. the offense. Just do some nonsense. Just do whatever works. Yeah. And, and the reality is, rely on talent in the trenches at the highest level. The reality is we're three years away there. Um, yeah. But we have, I mean, I, I still believe in beating bow. I think it was more of a, cause we just, we're, they're just weak. Like, I don't know. Um, and then, I mean, Bates has the skins on the, or he has the, the ability. You, you can see what he's done in the past. So, um, yeah. Well, I think, I think that we have the guys that are capable of doing it. So, right. Yeah. The offensive line, I think has the potential to surprise a lot of people. I think they can be pretty good this year, actually. Yeah. And, and one of the, the things that I, that stuck out to me, you know, about last year is that there were multiple games. Like I know going into the Nebraska game, and I think Iowa State was always about like like this, talking about stuff like how they felt like they had the advantage up front on us, mm-hmm. you know, and it showed in the games, mm-hmm. you know, like we couldn't run the ball um, very effectively against freaking Nebraska, you know, and then, you know, consistently through the year, it was there would just be these times where we just couldn't run the football or yep. we couldn't protect Caleb Williams, or or on the defensive side, we're getting pushed around. Um, all of those, <laughs> yeah, all of those suggest a lack of just pure strength right. um, that I, I think is probably going to be addressed with the new or the new old um, strength and conditioning coach with Jerry Schmidt coming back. Underrated thing that I, I really love about Jerry Schmidt coming back is – one of the first, like his his statement when he came back to OU was he was like, yeah, making the decision to leave A and M was not hard. You know? <laughs> right. Like, it literally was like, yeah, leaving A and M for this job that was not a hard decision at all. This is much better. It's hilarious to me. <laughs> the guy but, doesn't like Colts. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, and just look at, I mean, A and M, like they've done well up front. You know, like they can't get a quarterback to save their lives. They've had some issues, (laughs) but they like, they've got freaking dudes on both sides of the ball on that offensive and that defensive line. You know, it's pretty crazy. That will be interesting actually to see if there's any degeneration, maybe not because it's hard to know like the first year, but like over the next couple of years, just in the trenches, like if you see, oh, you start getting better and better in the trenches and a and kind of decreasing because they've had, you know, Kenyon Green and uh, DeMarvin Leal and all those guys that were doing really well. So that'll be curious yeah. to see if, if there's any noticeable difference in mm-hmm. two years. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just, 
I look at a guy like like Creed Humphrey. That dude played so far below his talent level his last two years yeah. in Oklahoma. Man. Yeah. Then he got to the NFL and he's like the best center in the league. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like what the hell was happening? Yeah. You know, like I, I'm very. That's one of the things I'm I'm the most excited about, and that's one of the reasons why I feel like no matter what, I'm not gonna hate this team. Like I hated last year's team. Like I think they're just fundamentally from a like way they play football standpoint, it's going to be so much easier to watch because we're not going to be getting pushed around by Baylor, you know? Yeah. And the, this was really apparent at the spring game, but like the second this team experiences success, like the very instant something on the field happens that is good, like the energy around the program from the fan base, from the players, it's going to be infectious and it's going to be yeah. kind of scary almost. Yeah. Like this well, is teams take on the personality of their coach and our coach is slightly insane. So, yeah. <laughs> well, just think about like if I don't even think we have to be amazing this year to win the big 12. Yeah. And if you win the big 12 and go 11 and one, you're probably making the playoff. You know, if, if Unless Brent, Notre Dame goes undefeated or something. Sure. Sure. That's like the only thing. So. How funny would it be if like we get to a point in the year where we need USC to beat Notre Dame for us to make the playoff. That would be, <laughs> that would be an entirely nice possible world conundrum for people. Uh, yeah. Um, but like, just imagine like how like Brent will be a, a cult leader if, if he equals the success that Lincoln Riley had in his first year and where everybody already kind of, nobody thinks we're going to be much this year. Everybody thinks we're going to take a step back. We, we lost this genius coach that won 80% of his games, best offensive mind in the, in the country. We lost all of our good defensive players. There's no way we're going to be as good as we were last year. We were so good last year. Super. Um, but like, just imagine like, it, it's probably going to be unhealthy. Like the oh the yeah, way that fans view view Brent Venables if if somehow he makes a Big Twelve championship playoff run. Like, I'm already waiting for like the, the national media to just completely ignore everything they said over the summer and say, oh look how great he's doing. And we yeah. Yeah. well, it's gonna be from the get go. It's yeah. gonna be the Russell Westbrook MVP season again. Yeah. Where it's just like, it's going to be like that level of goodwill. Where it's mm-hmm. like, even now, Thunder fans are not really willing to point out that Russell Westbrook sucks. <laughs> yeah. Because they yeah. love Russell Westbrook. 75,000 yeah. people came to the spring game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 75,000. Mm-hmm. Now it's it's wild, you know? And, and I, I just, I look at, at the potential of the team. Like, I think that there's... There's just like something about it makes me feel good. You know, like I just I feel like we're going to have a better season than even maybe we're expecting, you know, and I, you know, I'm expecting 10 and two, nine and three. That's kind of what I have things set as Um, like if we go nine and three, I'm not going to be like disappointed at all. I don't feel like, you know, depending on the games, whatever. Might be a little disappointed, but (laughs) yeah. But, you know, maybe there – I just – I think that the the mentality of the team is going to be different. I think the attention to detail 
like that's an underrated aspect of of what people don't talk about with Lincoln is that like his teams were dumb as shit. Yeah. Like yeah. fucking stupid. True. Like they're always they, pretty heavily. They, yeah. They, like they they frequently got away with it because they were so talented. But you think about all those like those bean bow lines. I love those bean bow lines, but like they constantly were drawing unsportsman likes and things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th- or I and, and even more recently, think of all of the goddamn holding that has happened over the yeah. past two years. Yep. Or I mean, Tyrese Robinson. Yeah. Tyrese Robinson never figured out how to not be a penalty machine. Neither did Marquis Hayes. Those guys started for three years, and they were both just penalty machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Chris Murray was a complete and total penalty machine last year. You know. Like there's just been guys that just never get it figured out. I don't think that's going to be allowed. Yeah. Um, the all-time classic to me staff. is Buki, like getting the PI. Yeah. Yeah. Against LSU, just like launching himself into that. I guess it wasn't a PI, but like uh, targeting. Uh, targeting, excuse me. Yeah. Gets that good dude in LSU for like no reason. It's like, right. Oh like, what the hell were we? Why was that not taken care of? You know what I mean? Like that. I, I just don't see that being like a thing that is going to be allowed. You know, it might start out like, oh, we're getting some penalties. Every team gets penalties early in the year, but I think it'll improve as the season goes. One of the games that really sticks out to me, um, and I, I watched this game or I watched like extended highlights of this game the other day, it was the 2018 Texas Tech game yeah. in Lubbock. We should have lost that football game. I don't even remember which one that was. That was we went down early. I think Kyler threw two early interceptions in that. Two early picks. Is that the Robert Barnes like two point? Yep. Yeah. That okay. was the game. Dumb game. Tech, yep. Tech lost their quarterback at halftime. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like we probably should have lost that game. Yeah. 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 And it's that was a game with Kyler Murray in at center under center. Yeah. <laughs> Kyler. How, how are you losing to Texas Tech in that situation? Yeah, like there was a play, like C.D. Lamb catch makes a huge play going down the field, and after the play, he just kicks a Texas Tech player. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And we wind up not scoring on that possession. A possession we would have gone up like two or three scores if we had scored a touchdown on that possession. Instead, we don't that. score at all, and we're in a dogfight till the very end of that game. You know, because of just stupid things that we do. You know, and I just, I just can't see that being a thing under under Brent Venables. Well, it definitely know? wouldn't have been under Bill Snyder, uh, right? I don't, yeah. I don't, you know, it's, I don't like Dabo like as a person that much, but I don't remember his teams ever being idiots like that. So maybe they are, yeah. but I think you know, for the most part, Brent hasn't been around teams that do a lot of that stuff. So yeah, yeah, man, I don't know, I just. I feel I'm, I'm I've I've not been this ready for a football season to get here. Yeah, it's time. exciting if nothing else because it's a true unknown. Like with Lincoln, yeah. he had an idea because he had been there, but this is we haven't had something like this in a while where it's like a legitimate reset. So no, um, yeah, and it, it, it's a healthy reset in that I think we all agree that that things just were not headed in the right direction. No, I think. Um, and even if it doesn't go great, you know, it's still exciting because it's, it's different, you know? And yeah. so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, just speaking a, of, just here, a go quick, ahead. Um, a quick stat check here. Um, 
Yeah, Clemson has um, absolutely obliterated Oklahoma in terms of penalty yards per game. Mm, yeah. um, just like so much more disciplined. <laughs> That's not surprising at all. You know, um, did you guys know, by the way, that uh, apparently in this, this was the 2019-2020 season, uh, Oklahoma was 125th in FBS in penalty yards per game in terms That's of like right. most or in terms yeah. of like, yeah, the, like it's the bad worst. to have a lot. So yeah, yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. so that's the, the sort of thing we're talking about. Clemson was twenty eighth that year. Yeah, I just remember like OU was always one of the worst, and like Tech, what whenever, especially when Kingsbury was there, it's just like we were always overshadowed by Tech because they're just the straight up worst in the, in the country. Or oh one yeah, of them, so I mean Lincoln honestly might just be like glorified Cliff Kingsbury. Like, he has so many of the same problems. Like, his teams have so many of the same problems that Cliff Kingsbury's teams have had. So you're saying you know? he's going to have, a like, a five-year NFL coaching? <laughs> coaching Probably will, right? Like, he probably will, you know? And Kingsbury's lasted longer in the NFL than he did in college. So. Yeah. Well, in Cliff, like, he never had the advantage of coaching at Oklahoma. You know, he had to coach a freaking Texas Tech. It's a much harder job. You yeah, know, only so. one person's done it well. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and I guess the last thing I'll say about there's another crazy person, by the way. Right. Yeah. I, I guess the last thing I I'll say about <laughs> last thing I'll say about Brent <laughs> is we're not gonna get into post-game press conferences after struggling to beat Kansas, and we're not gonna have him saying, you know, winning football games is hard. You know, we're eight. No, you know, that's not going to be a thing. He's, he's not going to be saying we're close after every game. Um, and I, I am very excited about that, you know, like, cause just, yeah. if you like, suck, you suck. Call a spade a spade. Don't. Yeah. If you need to like do a better job, like link, like, you know, Bob Stoops, that was like his thing. Like every, if there was ever any struggles, it was like, it's on us as coaches yeah. To figure it out. It's goddamn you know? Utah State. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Lincoln, I don't think he ever personally took that responsibility. Like it was like, ah, we'll get it figured out. We won. Now we got a chance. We'll go figure it out. It'll be fine. Right. You know what I mean? And that's just not, that's not what college football is about. You know, college football is about kicking everybody's ass if you can. You know, NFL, if you win every game by one point, great. You're a great team. But that's not college football. NFL has like legitimate talent level parity for them. Absolutely. Obviously, some teams are better than others, but they're all pros. Yeah. (laughs) You're not playing teams that are like JB squads in in the NFL. So right. Yeah. I guess all of my points about Lincoln can be well. I think Lincoln is a an NFL coach coaching in college. He thinks he's about he wants to do the college thing. I think he's an NFL guy from a mentality standpoint. And I think Brent Venables is like to a T he is a college football coach. Like, I don't think he would ever dream of coaching in the NFL. I think Brent Venables for the longest time, it seemed like he wasn't even interested in being a head coach. Right. Right. Yeah. It had to be the perfect situation. I mean, this genuinely might've been like the only place he would have coached. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we know he turned down Auburn last year, so he's had plenty of opportunities. Other than maybe like, you know, Dabo left, leaves Clemson, maybe he would have moved up or something. Like, yeah, that's like, like the only If he went spot. to Alabama and right. they promoted Brent or something. 
which they probably they would have. Done. Yes. So. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I just, I feel like we are lucky for things to have gone the way that they did. Um, you know, I, st- <laughs> I still think that, you know, I, I still have some, some feelings towards Lincoln Riley that I, that are not positive for sure. Um, <laughs> to say the least, but in the end, I think we upgraded, I think, and I'm glad that a coach like that isn't coaching my team anymore. Anytime you can have someone that's been on like eight staffs that have been to a national title game and won half, half of them. Yeah. He knows what it looks like. So, yeah. And any, and like you said, anytime you can have Ted roof, well, that's even better. <laughs> I mean, the, you know, he's you such know, a great magnetism. So. Yeah. He's a great teacher. One of the best teachers there there is, you know. So um, I guess one of the, like let's talk a little bit about realignment because uh, you know Lincoln's job in the last couple of weeks has gotten harder than what he thought it was going to be. Right. We read off that auction awesome. conference he's in now earlier, and yeah, so and he's going to play real teams now. Well, so you obviously, I, I mean, maybe you've been living under a rock. USC UCLA to the Big Ten definitely the weirdest one of the weirder possible realignment scenarios i would say yeah and they start um, before ou does in the sec they start in 2024 right we'll see we'll see yeah <laughs> we'll see if they start before who's because yeah um but yeah obviously very um very strange it's a weird situation picking off first off only one of the california system schools very strange. The governor is very unhappy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, partnered with the private school across this, across the, across town um, and moving to a conference that is not like the PAC 12. Well, is, well, it's odd because in a lot of ways, the PAC 12 and the big 10 are probably the, well, I don't know. You know what? Screw the ACC. They, yeah. They're the two most academically inclined conferences, right? They're the conferences who theoretically, whose, whose admins, at least theoretically in the case of the big 10, actually in the case of the PAC 12 and theoretically in the case of the big 10 um, prioritize things other than football. Um, you know, we saw it during the COVID season that that was really not the case uh, in the big 10. They just want people to think it is. Yeah. Um, but um but you know culturally i think in football terms very different um it's a weird fit and it means the big 10 now stretches from los angeles to new jersey yeah yeah well the you know talking culturally in the way that the two conferences if you football like to me there just isn't a football culture in the pac-12 no there you know there's not a conference-wide culture you know there are some schools that take football seriously i guess Oregon cares. That's about it. Oregon cares. I think arguably Utah, maybe, you know, I think they have a pretty established football culture. Well, and Um, I think the thing about Oregon and Utah is that like they have this established football culture, but if they were bad for like five years, it would go away. It would go away. Sure. Sure. Um, Shouts to to Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Go Utah. Um, (laughs) But the big 10, it's like football's big. Like it's a big freaking deal to Michigan, yeah. Ohio State. Like those, the fans of those programs would argue yeah. that they're more passionate than the SEC teams. You know what I mean? Like they're probably wrong. Like I'm not saying that, right. but like, but you know, these are fans that fill that every weekend fill 
the largest sporting stadiums in the world. Right. right. Over a hundred thousand seats. Yeah. You know, and then like even schools like, like Iowa, they've like historically not this like insanely successful program, but they give a, they love college yeah. football in yeah. Iowa city, you know, like it's a big freaking deal. In state, you know, has yeah. massive yeah. stadium. Yeah. Huge stadium. Like they've got tradition, you know, and oh Chip Kelly in Lansing, Michigan in November. Let's hear it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about like, like Lincoln, he's going to have to play against like those teams in November. Like he's recruiting guys in California that hate the cold, right? you know? And like, we talked about like pretty consistently that his teams at Oklahoma were soft. Yeah. Imagine what his USC teams are going to be like when he's, they're playing in, you know, Lansing, Michigan, like you said, you know, like when it's 10 degrees outside or when they're in Penn state, you know, like it just, it's a wild, it's a <laughs> wild cultural shift um, to go from the, the, the roster, the, the list of teams that USC is playing this year to what they could potentially be playing in, in the big 10. Yeah. And just for good. I'm sorry. I will just say for, the, all our Spartans out there. Um, yeah, Michigan State is technically in East Lansing, not Lansing. East Lansing being a city uh, directly to the east of Lansing. <laughs> thank I you. thought it would have been West, but that's thank good you, enough. thank you for clearing that up for us. Yeah. Um, I, so what I will say, the good thing for Lincoln is that he's going to have a lot more excuses that he can make now if they lose games. That's true. You know, it's like oh, long flights. You know, oh conditions you know he's gonna have a lot more excuses so that's that's good I'm I'm just glad Rutgers can finally go to the Rose Bowl right good old Rutgers (laughs) it is funny this this kills the Rose Bowl right good let it die (laughs) yeah so we can stop having the damn games on yeah I mean you can have the parade so Yeah. yeah yeah I don't this is this whole thing is what are how do you guys feel about the whole realignment and the just inevitable future of college football that I'm we're kind of bummed about it, but like, I am too, man. I mean, I grew up, you know, the Big 12 was like a, an actual good conference and yeah. everything was regional and made sense. <laughs> so it, yeah. I'm kind of bummed about it, but I mean, I'll still keep watching it. So, oh, yeah, well, because I like, and not to be like, oh, well, when we do it, it's different and better, but like. OU in Texas to the SEC does make geographic sense, right? Yeah. And it does make some cultural sense as well. Right. Less more for Oklahoma than for Texas, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. that's like there's a contiguity there that is just not present with this um, with this move, and with the majority of the moves. You know, arguably you could look at the moves that spawned out of the OU Texas to the SEC, the Big 12's grabs. You know. Yeah, this sort of it's all about money and you know right chasing it, that. So. Well, I think it is... it puts conferences in a very weird place right now. Right. Yeah, and maybe the... in the end it'll shake out in a way that makes sense, but right now it doesn't really. Well, the thing that gets to me about sports in general and the fact that money is really the only driving force in all of these and all the decisions that are made is that like 
there, the reality of the situation of, of the sport is like, it is an entertainment entity. And I wonder if having all of these like college football, traditional geographic rivalries, like that was part of the entity that is college football. Yeah. And I, I worry about taking those away and that hurting the overall product of college football. And in the end, the sport loses popularity. Yeah. Yeah. And loses the fan base because they don't have those like traditional things, because essentially what they're trying to like, what we're headed for is like a worse version of the NFL. You know what I mean? Where you're, where yeah, you're... There's like two mega conferences where it's like mm-hmm. AFC, NFC, but I'm like, well, NFL football is just objectively better football, you know, and yeah. so why wouldn't, yeah, but it doesn't have any of the stuff we like about college. So. Right. So why would, why would we watch college football if it's just going to be a worse version of the NFL? Right. Um, whereas to watch like, college what, football for all the weird shit and I'm yeah I'm going to lose that. Right. <laughs> I know I, I, I definitely feel this. And it's definitely I feel like in a lot of ways it's related to the complaint everybody has about how everything's a playoff now. Mm-hmm. Where it's like the the media product is becoming like it's being shaped by and I think like we you can blame ESPN for this. I think that's probably fine. Nobody nobody would get hurt if you do. Um, I'm not gonna defend ESPN. Right. Yeah. But like the media product is becoming something very different i think as a result of a recognition that there is at least in the short term just an ass load of money to be made um but i just you know college football it it, it exists in contradiction to itself to get really hegelian here right it's like there's there are contradictions at the heart of what college football is which is basically a bad idea um that is extremely (laughs) profitable uh in part because um you know it relies on the labor of unpaid children um it relies on the um like the goodwill of academic institutions to house and pay for the facilities for you know players who who are attending their institutions with no intent of ever getting a degree um and no desire to do anything but ultimately play this sport professionally um it relies on the you know the largesse of the professional league to be happy to take advantage of this you know free feeder league they have um like frankly i think a lot of college like this would result in college football getting worse but it would fix it in a lot of ways is if there just was a minor league Mm -hmm. yeah if there was a a professional developmental football league in the united states college football could be college football again basically with the exception of like the players would be much worse yeah it would be yeah i don't i don't necessarily like want that to happen i'm not saying that like well i don't think it ever will because no it's it's unlikely to ever happen the nfl is getting a free developmental league right now right and it's like do i want that to happen i don't really know i like watching college football as it exists currently yeah. yeah, but like this is when I say like the league exists in a contradiction to itself, and it's right. like, to me that's one of the only ways of resolving the contradiction. Right, no, yeah. I agree, and my my only concern with it just comes from with every year I think we get closer and closer to operating like a worse version of the NFL. Like we're starting 
you know, that we've started the NIL thing, which is totally fair. Like, I think it should exist, but at the same time, it is a, like another factor that is moving it away from what made college football, what it is, you know what I mean? And I worry about the long-term like viability and like the popularity of the sport, given all of these changes, when again, all of these things, like just watch the NFL if that's what you want. Right. Cause it's just, it's better. But I it's think, I, you know. and part like, again, there's a compelling argument when we talk about the long-term viability, there's a decent argument that we shouldn't play football at all. That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's like that exists in contradiction. The fact that football is awesome and really yeah. fun to watch and participate in. Mm-hmm. Like, but this is like, you know, if you, if you come at this expecting to make sense, expecting it to make sense, you'll be disappointed. If you come to it expecting something predictably good to happen, you're going to be disappointed because it can't. I guess that's true. Cause I mean, I guess if you look at just the way, like the world operates, like the world clearly doesn't operate in a way that makes sense and is worried about long-term viability. No. Right. You know, so like there's a, there's a lot of like, when I talk, when you talk about the sustainability of college football, it's like, it's kind of like talking about the sustainability of like the interstate highway system. Yeah. And, you know, should this even exist? At the moment, we take advantage of the fact that it does. And we derive joy from the experiences it brings us, you know, but there's a compelling argument that a world in which everybody owns a car should never have existed. And there's a compelling right. argument right. that a world where people play college football should never have existed. What I'm hearing is we just need to blame Eisenhower for college football. Exactly. So. <laughs> um, I mean that's really not too far off. Um, but the, um, but the, you know, well, but the essence of it is, you know, you know, we find joy in a thing that is strange and probably like, you know, before the like, if college football was a person before the pearly gates, could it justify its existence to the Almighty? I don't know no. if it could, and that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it while it's here. But it, it also means, you know, like, yeah, pay attention to the fact that things are getting weird and strange and potentially worse and that, you know, there might not be a way to stop it. Yeah. I mean, and I, I you know, it's also kind of similar to the idea of the planet we live on is deteriorating really quickly. And yeah, it might, it might be stopped to, for entirely different reasons. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, but like, we just have to kind of live and, and enjoy the things that we enjoy. Let's I just guess. win a natty before that happens. How about That's that? right. <laughs> just give me, give me one more natty before everything ends. You know? <laughs> yeah. and then, then I can die at least knowing I saw one. So yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, look, crazy. we're softball school anyways. At the end of the day. True. Dude, have you seen the number like the transfers we brought in like <laughs> it's insane oh my god oh my like god. i don't even know like Multiple how are all of these people gonna play I yeah don't know. You know? yeah it's um it's un it's and it's so awesome you and i talked about this during the uh during the world series but like seeing fans of other teams be like oklahoma has is either cheating or have ruined the sport Oh my God. There was <laughs> the one that I love the most was when people started talking about how oh, you had to have like illegal bats. Like that's oh, yeah, the they had, only like, cork in their bats or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, not in not cork, but well, you know what I mean. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the metal equivalent of that is. Like <laughs> right. Yeah. How do you cork a bat? 
Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know what the equivalent of that is for the. Yeah, Jocelyn guy. Olive swinging vibranium out there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'd watch that. That'd be badass. So. <laughs> yep. Not like that. That was so awesome. Like we truly, in in regards to softball, we truly know how Alabama fans feel in football. You know, like that's yeah. that's yeah. just how they feel. Yeah. And I mean, also, I, like, SEC softball is going to be amazing. SEC bat and ball sports in general are going to be amazing now. Yeah. Like, just well, yeah, who the hell saw baseball coming? I, I thought right. we were going to suck. So, well, <laughs> you know, Brent if you consider Venable Tech, saw it coming, Brent Venable saw Brent it coming. Venables did see it coming at the spring. He had game. the vision. And he, we um, God, that it. was so funny <laughs> at the spring game when he was, when he got to baseball and he just like described the act of playing baseball. There's <laughs> scoring runs and stealing bases. Yep. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, the um, but yeah, got like the the men's World Series this year. If you consider OU and Texas SEC teams, was like almost entirely SEC teams. That's about right. Yeah. Yep. Um. So that's that's just gonna be fun. Like. Oh yeah. Uh, that's just gonna be really fun. So. Sports like baseball and softball are gonna be those are the kinds of sports that are gonna be really hosed by a lot of this realignment. Not for OU in Texas, again, because they did this reasonably and moved to somewhere geographically reasonable. Yeah. But I don't understand how USC and UCLA can play records in like <laughs> on I don't know. What other sports does records have? Uh, I don't I don't know much. I'm not very familiar with the Rutgers athletic program. I, I must because they U- have well, USC and UCLA are two schools that care about their Olympic sports. So yeah, I know they have women's basketball, but um, <laughs> I don't know what else. One of the things I don't think we we talked about, and I'm not sure we have ever talked about him, um, and I'm I'm seeing a tweet from him. This is why I'm bringing him up. But Thad Turnipseed, right? Um, Thad Turnipseed, I think is he's going to be a guy that like if this works out, everyone's going to like point to him, and no yeah. one can explain what he did. Right. Got no one's done. truly going to know. Like. Yeah, that's what people describe it. was like, Thad gets things done. That's what he does. And, and the, his most recent tweet is like of a, a new project that is already being completed. So it's, I, I don't have any idea what it is. It looks like there's a lot of like recovery, like machines that are going to help athletes in their recovery a lot. Cool. You know, so cool. That's, that's interesting. But the thing with that turnip seed, like, the dude's resume is just undeniably incredible. Like his career essentially started with Saban at Alabama when they turned things around. And then he went with Dabo and like, that was another guy when he left Clemson, their fans freaked out about it. Yeah. You know, like they were like, Oh shit, he's taking bad. Are you kidding me? Like, they don't really know exactly what he did, but they know he was important, Yeah, you know? And that was one of the things. And like with Brent, I remember him talking about how, like, you know, the decisions he made on who he brought in with him, you know? And I, he talked, and one of the things he made me think of is that like, or one of his quotes made me think that that turnip seed was like the guy that he felt was like arguably the biggest hire he made. You know, when he came yeah, here, probably because he has a lot of trust in him. You can just let him yeah. do his thing and not have to worry about it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see like the, I have very little doubt that if things go well here, that 
Thad Turnip seed will be elevated in that cult status with with Brent, yeah. and it it'll be. Well, I'll be interested name, to see how that goes. Again, the man's name is Turnip Seed. Like, right? Yeah. We hired ourselves a fixer named Turnip Seed. Yeah. <laughs> We're ready for the SEC. Yeah, I I remember I tweeted whenever I saw that report. I was like, "Hey guys, you can't just make up names and put them <laughs> right. in a report. Like, you've got to have like." <laughs> It just sounds so funny to me, but yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting. Um, but no, it's, I'm excited. I think we all are excited about, about this upcoming season. Um, and more importantly, the overall direction of, of where things are headed. Yeah. And I, one of the main reasons for that excitement has to be the fact that every Texas fan thinks it's going to fail. So yeah, that's how that's how you know it's going to work. Well, and Jeff Ketchum expects failure. You know it's going to happen. So, yeah, yeah. No, it's I I, w- I want to talk about Texas on a pod sometime, but I don't think it needs to be this one. Yeah, yeah that can be part due. Yeah, Big twelve previews. I, I might go on for two hours about right. about them. So. Yeah. Well, pouring out for Arch Manning, you know. Yeah. Before he even had a chance, he became a Texas Longhorn. He's himself. Truly, he's truly the next Chris, Chris Sims. I I believe that. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right, we done. I think that, like I it. think we just about hollered about everything conceivably we could holler about, including climate change. So I'd say we're done. Thank you for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play Store, uh, Podbean, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at rwmaxi at perd underscore happily. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your life, um, and we'll see you later.